All right, here we go, third take. <laughs> Real quick, Ali. Happy Valentine's Day in a special episode. Wait, what? Um, happy Valentine's Day. It's Wednesday the 14th, February. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We can deal with that. You forgot. No, I didn't forget. I never forget. I brought you something. Oh, boy. I can't wait to see this. Wow. Well, I can't wait to see what you get to make up for the fact that my gift is a little bit late. But no, but did you seriously forget? Because uh, I know your wife, and that would not, you know, no, would no. be good with any wife. My wife, you're looking at my calendar. My wife would not let me forget. Okay. Yeah, no, we're going to go have lunch tomorrow. Sounds tomorrow. like excuse, you forgot. Excuse me. Go have lunch today as we're recording. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's going to be it. Special spot or just? Uh, Tadashi. We were big into the sushi lately. Ooh, so We yeah. or uh, her? Uh, actually, we. It's fantastic. Oh. I, I never ate it until like a year ago or so. Um, naturally, Nate Bauer with the recommendation for Tadashi. Uh, the pepper tuna is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, kind of gone from there. Nate, so. big food guy. That's that's why it makes plenty of sense. Big guy in general. Just, okay. Yes. <laughs> All uh, right. Big golf guy, big food guy, whatever. Well, you're trying out... Friend sushi. of the pod. <laughs> yes, friend of the pod indeed. Uh, we're trying out something new here in this episode. Odds and ends episode. I mean, it's... We're dropping phones to start, and we can talk about that if you need a new phone uh, later on. But, you know, we're a month away from Pro Day. We're a month away from our Pro Day. We're a month away from Spring Ball starting. There's not a whole lot going on. But there are a lot of small things happening concurrently. And we've written about them on the site. So this is what we're going to do. Extra large mailbag today. Normally, we do about three questions. Today, that's six. Wow. We're going to talk about Lamont Wade's pitching positions, the crown jewel of their uh, second most recent recruiting class. Early enrollees, check in with them. Winter workouts are going on. There's only so much you can glean, but we've heard outstanding reviews so far. Talk recruiting, what else? And Penn State's 2020 schedule came out. So we're not going to break anything that down, but I thought it would be fun to do one bold prediction for what Penn State football will look like in 2020. Wow, that sounds like fun. Yeah. What is your prediction? Oh, I don't have one yet. <laughs> you, where, where are you today? I didn't know we were doing it right away. It, it's not on the rundown. Phone drops. Now that noise pops up. We have an outtakes episode coming up in the summer. Just, I might just use the first 10 minutes of this. You're only doing this just to get outtakes because you need some content. No, because summer. we can't stop at this point. I mean, we're already about how, how long are we into this right uh, now? We have to two use and a half, what we have. We're two and a half minutes. In. Okay. I don't we're, think now it's a, two and a half too deep. Fly. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, moving on. Uh, but my bold prediction, I think by 2020, you're going to have one game with an alternate uniform per season. At Penn State. Yes. Wow. I think by then, you know, they broke it in. Awesome. Uniform. Hybrid. Throwbacks. Like, it has to be some throwbacks, right? We are at Penn State. But elements of different eras. I think by then, you know, the, the blow was, was laid. Everyone got used to it. Great reception. You have more money to make off of that by making more jerseys and variations of them. And I think 2018 goes by. 2019, it's, it's even more okay. 2020, they say, you know what? This is going to happen every year. I mean, especially if we're going to have seven home games. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just think, you know, the, uh, getting away from tradition is not something that Penn State's shown it's it's willing to do. But when there's extra money money involved, I mean, that's a big deal. I, I love the throwbacks this year. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if they sold them or, or anything like that, but they should have. I mean, they, I thought they were fantastic. So, I mean, I, I agree with you in that I'd love to see it. I just don't know that we will. Well, that's why we've got three years and why this is a bold prediction. Right. Now, I'll cut you a deal. 
uh, because you forgot to get me something for Valentine's Day. We said professional marriage multiple times on the podcast. That can be your gift. Just have it by the end of the episode here. All right. Sounds good. All right. 2020. Uh, very good. Okay. On to what the people want to know about. I wrote about Lamont Wade moving from cornerback to safety earlier in the week. Had five thoughts. Number one is obviously the big one. This move for, for Wade, um, while unexpected, it really comes down to imbalanced depth in the secondary. They're loaded at corner, as we expect them to be, and not so much at safety. Yeah, I don't think you have to look too deeply into this one. I mean, Lamont Wade is is a guy, when you look at all the corners that they have, is probably the closest thing they have to a safety, and he's probably the closest to competing for the open safety spot. So, you know, Nick Scott will be there. Aaron Monroe, you know, has been reported he's he's a little banged up right now. Uh, beyond that, Garrett Taylor, John Sutherland. So, I mean, Wade can get in there. He can, he can practice this spring. He can make that transition. He's played safety before in high school. So, I mean, I think he's just add another playmaker to that back four, and he can potentially, instead of being your fourth corner be a starting safety so i i think that's a i think that's the way to go and two things real quick you know first of all the aaron monroe being banged up it, it was you know daily collegian catching on his snapchat that he was saying he had shoulder surgery that's all the details you have there take it with a grain of salt that went over well yes uh <laughs> secondly reference weight is a fourth corner there's a reason for that right Tariq castro fields and i wrote about this separated himself he, he's a bitter outside corner he had a terrific camp parlayed that into the season when you look at his coverage grades i mean he was a fourth highest graded defensive back on this team from a pass defense perspective and that's ahead of guys who were both of their safeties a year ago um and, and some veterans that you know kind of surprised so for wade he saw you know 25 fewer snaps against Ohio State and Michigan and didn't really play against Michigan State either while Tariq Castro Fields was still in the rotation. So as much as Wade was the highest ranked recruit of the 2017 class, Castro Fields proved himself better in the outside and that's where you need to be because, you know, Grant Haley a year ago moved from the outside to the nickel position when they went in sub packages. Now that John Reed's back, he's going to do that again as he did in 2016. If this was a defense that said, listen, when we go with three corners, we put that third guy inside, Wade's probably your guy. That's not how they operate though. Yeah, Wade has played some star too, and and, and you think you, you look at height mostly. That's your first, uh, you know, it's your first reaction when you're talking about moving a corner to safety. It's usually who's six one, whatever, you know. And Castro Fields fits that mark, but I mean, I'm I'm not enamored with that. I think I think Wade is fine at safety. You can mask that five nine frame if you know if he is five if he gets to five nine. Um, so he he can be effective back there no matter the size. So I I think we're probably you know going too deep on this. I just think he's a better opportunity to compete i mean he he could be the fourth corner that's fine you really only need three right now penn state plays a lot of corners but you know you can make the make your way in there you know wedge yourself into the two deep potentially start i mean you've got an opportunity to get see the field quicker yeah and good for him and there was always a chance he could do this right i mean there were rumblings about he could maybe play safety during his recruitment and then even when he stepped on campus but he just crushed it in spring ball a year ago which i think that's the most interesting part is that your first impression of him was someone who could make an impact so much to the effect that john reed goes down with a significant knee injury loss of the season and it's not like oh well that's not a big deal but it was it was cushioned that that worry and that concern over him because Wade had done such a fantastic job you know now he's not even playing that same position but I think it speaks to the gravity of which you know the, the situation they have at safety his versatility and the fact that again they don't need him there not just because they have two good starters but they have a lot of good
good young guys around him, Castro Fields namely, but even, you know, retro freshman Donovan Johnson, you know, it fits that mold. Zach McPherson is a little bit older, uh, could play nickel too. So there's not a need. And I think he's got to stay there long term because, you know, again, this is a guy with such pedigree, he wants to play in the league someday. You've got to have some staying power one position if you want to prove yourself that you can play in the NFL. And there's not, you know, a huge precedent for smaller safeties. But Tyron Matthew, of course, comes to mind. He's a rare talent. But you can get it done if you're a little bit shorter. So I think he stays there for the rest of his career. Uh, Corner, though, really, really strong. I think that also forces an examination of this roster. Is that maybe the strongest position now heading into 2018 for Penn State? I think I look at it all across the board on on defense. I look at it, and that's the the spot that I have the least worries. Even though John Reed's coming off the knee injury, obviously, you know, there's questions there. But Amani's been solid. Reed's been solid. Castro Fields, I think, is a budding star. Um, You've got numbers behind him. You mentioned McPherson, Donovan Johnson, Jabari Butler, even a walk-on who's going to get plenty of reps in the spring. So, you know, I I look at corner, and I think it's fine. I I don't have an issue with that. Safety, plenty of questions. Linebacker. Plenty of questions. D tackle. Plenty of questions. I love the defensive end room. Um, they're, yeah. they're just going to get better. I think that's the only one you could probably have a competition with. Quarterback aside, I mean, you got Trace right. McSorley. Don't know if Tommy Stevens is going to stick it out all the way till September, but for now, he's in there. Quarterback, defensive end, and corner. I think are probably those three spots that corner has a higher ceiling simply because we don't know what's behind John Reed, Amani, and Tariq Castro Fields. Right? We haven't seen Donovan Johnson, Zach McPherson played ninety defensive snaps a year ago, but even freshmen like Trent Gordon making a really good impression early Good on. boy. My, my, he's quickly becoming. I loved his film and now only we hear terrific things about him from uh, James and some other coaches. But let's move on now because early enrollees have been here for about a month. You know, it's largely winter workouts and they're kind of getting a shock to the system of never having worked this hard before. And even in that capacity, just being around the other guys, being in the weight room and winter workouts, there's there's some really positive reviews for these six guys. Yeah, James Franklin, I think he highlighted each one of them last week at his signing day press conference. Um, you know, Trent Gordon, we just talked about as a guy that's that's really been turning heads. I mean, everybody I asked, you know, Gordon's one of the first people to pop up and he's, and it's interesting. He's a corner from Texas. You you know, you expect him to be a 4-4 guy. He's not. He's not a burner. He's not a guy that's, you know, but he's he's great on technique. He played at one of the the top high schools in in the Houston area in Manville. Um, And it's really uh, it's a guy that I think is eventually going to work his way onto the field, but because of that corner depth that we just talked about, because of the guys in front of him, I don't know that it's going to be this year, but I think he's eventually going to be a player at Penn State. Another name, and this surprised me a little bit more than Gordon because, you know, I've been on the record multiple times. I really like his film, what he brings, well-rounded game. Nick Tarburton, James mentioned he had lost a lot of weight, which there was some debate as to whether is he eventually going to go down to D-tackle, is he going to stick a linebacker? Looks like linebacker's the plan. He got another shout-out today from Brent Pry when they're doing the, you know, who was your standout from your position after the winter workouts. So for a guy to demonstrate that kind of effort, and, and linebacker's a little bit down, but I think hearing that review publicly from, from the two coaches who are obviously going to have the greatest influence in what his career might be and his playing time in the next couple of years says a lot about him and as an early enrollee I mean there are plenty of obvious benefits to doing that namely shaping his body which right now I think would be you know his biggest asset moving forward of can he compete well physically if he's there then it's just a matter of getting down the playbook and executing yeah I mean it's really been all over the map when you talk about Tarburton as a guy that came in just shy of 260 pounds um, you know it looks like nature is going to take over as it usually does but you know he's lost some weight since he got to campus they'd love for him to be a linebacker I mean they'd love to stick him in the middle no matter if he weighs 240 260 whatever because he can move you know he can do some things but eventually you know you could outgrow that just as many people have done so um, Tar Burton is is a straight-up football player he's not the fastest guy in the world but at the end of the day um, he's a guy that you put on your roster and, and he's he can do productive things so they'll start him at middle linebacker um, the, the talk has been defensive 
end. But, you know, the talk is also he can eventually be a three-technique tackle. I mean, that that's where the, the projections on this guy are, are all over the map. When you're talking about a middle linebacker potentially in two or three years being a three-tech tackle, I mean, that's just it, – it's kind of crazy when you think about it. We got dangerously close, like dip to toe in the water and jump back out with some white guy cliches talking about Nick Tarburn. This gym rat, scrappy yeah, guy. Not, not the fastest guy. He's just a football player. Um, but but two positive reviews publicly. And Patriots either. love him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to play a slide receiver for the path. That's there's your 2020 prediction. Nick Tarburton gets scouted at, at receiver. Perfect. We'll count that. All right. Excellent. Um, you've had more important predictions in 2020 recently. Some crystal ball work. Recruiting's down uh, one of the few periods of the year. But the crystal ball picks are, you know, you're what, 88, 90% solid on them? Something like that. I just. Uh, oh, you don't like to boast. But uh, no, I'm very right humble about getting everything right all the time. Um, so, but no, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those t- transition periods where you're starting to see some of the 2019 guys. I, I look back at my predictions from last year and, you know, guys like Nyquee Hawkins, guys like Jordan Houston, um, you know, have sort of worked their way down the board. And there's just this new group has come in and, and, you know, we saw it with the junior day last weekend, been a run on Penn State crystal balls for Tyler Rudolph, a corner out of Connecticut. Uh, the people on the board like to call it the Andrew Callahan effect because you've got Tyler Rudolph from Connecticut, Marquise Wilson from Connecticut, offered a quarterback, Tyson, and I can't even say his last name or approach saying his last name because it's crazy. Um, so uh, they've been all over Connecticut. So thank you for that. Everybody appreciates that. Classic uh, Pennsylvania pronunciation. Not even going to give it a shot. I'm going to put it in front of you and make you do it on the air. <laughs> all right. That'd be fine. My bold 2020 prediction, part two, might be that kid uh, starring. Penn State, um, you know, getting some more. Uh, Bud Elliott from SB Nation just went through with a flurry of them just before we went on the air. Uh, Xavier Trust, Caden Wallace, who, you know, if you can build your offensive line class around Xavier Trust and Caden Wallace, Wallace is a big guard. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that's been on the, the board forever for Penn State. He's been up to visit Penn State, uh, I don't know, 10 times now or something like that. That's probably not accurate. But um, but but Xavier Trust is, is a guy that Penn State got in on very early. Um, he's, he's always like Penn State. Michigan's in there as well. Ohio State's offered. Everybody's pretty much offered since Penn State offered back in January. So if you can build your offensive line class around them, I mean, that, that that's going to go a long way, especially when you're probably only going to take three this year. Right. So uh, beyond that, uh, names that you know, John Mechie, um, you know, I, I still think Penn State's the guy, or excuse me, Penn State's the team there for, for him. Um, you know, it had a little bit of a, uh, of a hang-up at the end of the last cycle. Penn State thought about trying to get him in as a 2018 receiver. Uh, ended up not working out, but and, and actually I think he preferred that. Uh, but yeah, you look at the 2019 class, they're, they're solid in spots. I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. It's going to be so difficult for them to match what they did this year just based off of the talent in the region, the numbers that they oh, have. Oh, for sure. Because I don't think they're going to get to 20 in the 2019 class unless you see some some, some more serious attrition. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be tough for them to get where they're at. I think the average star rating will be fine. I think it'll be you know comparable to this this year, but they're going to have to go out of region and they're looking at out of region guys, uh, cornerback, defensive tackle. I mean, just there's not a huge base um, you know, outside of uh, Pennsylvania, New England, all that kind of stuff. Not a huge base of guys that are that are out and about. So uh, it, it's going to be fun to see what, what emerges because they brought in Jay Wan Sider. He's right, gonna, I was just going to say Florida. You know, now's the time to, yeah. to go out of region. Now's the time to go to go out of region, bring in some of those or try and bring in some of those athletes that, uh, you know, you're talking about the, the 6'2", 200-pound corners in addition, you know, as opposed to the guys up here. Apparently they grow them a little bit smaller up here. Yes. Um, so, no, it's, it's going to be a fun cycle to follow because I think there's going to be a lot of unknown. Um, you know, we mentioned some guys earlier in the region that have already been passed over, and you know that's a good sign if you're Penn State because there's some quality players that are, that are going to be 
be looking elsewhere because of how well Penn State is recruiting. So I uh, can't worry about that in hindsight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the latest crystal ball picks, they're all over the place. Um, guy who does not have a crystal ball pick in um, right now, but he's really emerged on the radars, is 2019 running back Devin Ford from Virginia. Uh, was a teammate of Nana Asidu um, at, at North Stafford, and just uh, one of the best backs in the country, and Penn State has really made a run with him. I mean, it was it was one of those things where at the beginning of his recruitment, you thought maybe Blacksburg, Clemson, something like that, he was going to go south, basically, right. is, is what everybody thought. You know, all of a sudden, Penn State's back in the mix. Um, you know, new running backs coach, a couple new assistants, um, you know they, they've made him a priority, and he has responded in kind. So it's it, it's been a run for Penn State. Uh, don't know that they've overtaken anyone. Don't know that they're you know number one. I think Virginia Tech is still when you point at the logic there. Virginia Tech's obviously the team that's that's going to make some noise uh, with with a kid from that area. So, uh, but yeah, Penn State's put themselves in position to to, to get another visit. Michael Clark, twenty four seven Sports reported last week, I believe that he'll be back on campus soon. So it's definitely something to look out for. So you know Penn State. While while the numbers aren't there yet for 2019, uh, they, they've, they've got plenty of traction with a lot of the top prospects in, in, in the region and beyond. And we spoke, I think, last week or the week before about, you know, at what point do you worry about those low numbers? I think that's so far and away, too, because there's still an adjustment period here, right, with, you know, the different official visits that can come now in the spring. You've got the early signing period previously for 2018. Everyone's adjusting. Like, I think there's just a lot more variance that's been introduced to the system where there are now a variety of different possibilities of what could happen because not everyone's been following or not everyone's following the same protocol that they have been the last few years, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been a learning process, and not only for for the future class, but with this December signing period, we saw several things change where guys, you know, that that, that were unsigned all of a sudden became much hotter commodities than they, they would have been otherwise. So that's a learning process. The, the official visits in the spring will be a huge learning process. I think, I think there's uh, a cap on 56 of them uh, that, that, that uh, schools can bring in. So you have to pick and choose the right guys. I mean, if you don't have a shot, at the kid, you're not going to spend your own money to bring him in and take up your allotment of, of official visits. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you need that to get a shot in the arm. So uh, there's going to be a lot of give and take with the official visits. I'm excited to see how it's going to play out because, you know, they're going to try and swing their best at the Florida kids, the Georgia kids, the Texas kids, all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas, you know, what happens if Caden Wallace wants to take an official visit in April? I, you just don't know what how that's going to play out. Obviously, I think they're going to try and, you know, those, those regional guys push them off until the later and come in for a game or whatnot and, and if you can do that great but at the same time uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a lot of pressure on that recruiting staff to to sort of toe that line so it'll be fun of course in a couple of years these will not be the 2019 2020 prospects they will be college football players whether at penn state or somewhere else that's not a very bold prediction but you've had plenty of time now 2020 i'll, I'll run down penn state schedule because that was the news that's the whole reason we're doing this segment their 2020 schedule was just released it's completed it was really just waiting on their non-conference. So when Penn State kicks off in 2020, they're going to start at home against Nevada, then go on a trip to Virginia Tech. It's the first half of a home-and-home that then wraps up in 2025. Um, And then San Jose State at home before Northwestern comes in for their Big Ten opener. So, of course, you got your nine Big Ten games. This is 2020. All their non-conference opponents are set, including West Virginia and Auburn, through 2025 now. But this was interesting, too, because each of these non-conference opponents, first of all, are not Appalachian State and Kent State, which of course Penn State will have in 2018. And that I think is uh, fair to say a byproduct of the sanctions and worrying about this 
program slowly coming back because schedules are made year in advance. Yeah. At this point, they're aware that they can, you know, contend with teams. They're looking at a couple of Mountain West programs that are a little step above that. So that's what they're doing. They're also facing these programs, Nevada, Virginia Tech, and San Jose State, for the first time ever. That's crazy, especially. Yeah. I mean, it's more fun fact than it's significant. But, it's not crazy. But no, it, I'm just uh, <laughs> that was my initial reaction, and I was wrong on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay. But after that happens, after that happens, 2020 season. What's uh, what else is going to happen? I think we're going to be preparing for Big Ten realignment. I think they're going to add a couple more schools. Uh. I, it just seems to come up every couple of years. So you're looking at this 2020 schedule, and I think you know if they did make changes, this 2020 schedule would be fine. But I, I, I think we're going to be looking at adding, you know, a, a, maybe a North Carolina or something. It just just something. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, just well, just something. That seems like a pillar of the ACC, though. Yeah, it no. does. But you know, the, the, the Nebraska was a pillar of the Big Twelve. I mean, you can you can go off and Big Twelve is falling apart, though. I mean, we don't want to have to do conference realignment talk, but I think that's a fair point. With just a poor example, that's all. Oh, great. As long as I <laughs> as long as I made a prediction, I'm off the hook. So. There, the, I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be looking, and and it's and it's there are schools out there. There are schools you, out there without that, me naming any schools myself. Yeah, you'd love you. I know, but no, I mean, uh, it, it's one of those things where I think it's it's bound to happen. I don't know if they shrink into the four major conferences or whatever, but I, I think it's fascinating from a distance to watch that take shape because there's so much money. We we saw uh, on the site yesterday, you know, the top three attendance figures in the big, or in the country or in the Big Ten. There's a mm-hmm. lot of money flowing through the Big Ten, Big Ten Network, all that kind of stuff. So I think that you know. There will be, you know, whether it's the Big Ten or whether it's the SEC or something, there will be conference expansion explored once again. Yeah. yeah. All right. You're ready for the extra large mailbag. Biggest mailbag in Lions 24-7 podcast history. Wow. Big day. No, it's Valentine's Day. We love you for mailbag people. So. <laughs> we do. Um, this is our love to you. Uh, this is a question I promised would go first in the mailbag. This comes via Twitter. <laughs> You're being attacked by wolves and can only have three Penn State players with you. Who are your three? Tyrell Chavis. <laughs> That's it. Board jokes. Board jokes. I mean, that was, uh, uh, let's see, um, Ryan Buckholtz. Ryan Bates and uh, Chaz Wright, because I feel like oh, those okay. wolves would be hungrier for those guys than they would be for me. So okay, um, I like your thinking. I'm going to go with two linemen because, of course, you can't have all players who are faster than you. Otherwise, then it is zero one three, right? Uh, or you know, wolves on zero. And um, then then you're toast. I think I'll take uh, Sharif Miller. I think, you know, you took Ryan Bates. I'll take somebody different. Um, man, Brendan Mann would have been, I think, a great pick. A great wolf fighter. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, you're talking about road graders in that offensive line, though, that they just had. Okay. He'd be up there. Um, so, you know, Conor Montgomery's been flexible enough to bounce between right guard and center. He's wearing Conor shorts, McGovern. too. So yeah. So, you help know. him move around. Yeah, Conor McGovern, uh, Sharif Miller, and then give me Nick Scott. Like, okay. I think, it, you know what would have been a good pick here, and this is uh, touch upon real news, Conka Stagman, no longer with the program. Um, that dude was one of the strongest players in the team that never got talked about, partly because, of course, he didn't play a whole lot, and that it was, it was just sad, unfortunate yeah. for him, you know, just the influx of talent that had a defensive end. But based on pure strength, yeah, I mean. Really made myself, made me feel horrible bleak. about myself every time I was around him. <laughs> just, he would have been draft pick number one for this. All right. Um, so I'll go, yeah, Nick Scott will be my uh my third guy there were the two the two linemen okay that's good I, I like my Buckholtz pick I think he can handle yeah he I could handle some I goals. think uh, yeah big strong he, no he's faster though too well, he would be the only guy like I have next Scott probably. Though Sharif Miller might be faster than me. Well, that's why I got Chaz in there. So, All right. 
Poor Chess. <laughs> um, all right. With Charles Huff gone, who is the point man now for recruiting in the DMV? Tyler Bowen, um, new tight ends coach. Now, now they're gonna they're gonna split it up, and they 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 love positional recruiting. So you know they they recruit a bunch of skill guys in the DMV, obviously. So those you know Terry Smith will be there, uh, David Corley will be there, Jawan Sider will be there. So uh, a little bit of everyone, but Tyler Bowen, I think, is the point man. He spent a year at Maryland. Of course, he played at Maryland as well, so he's got some connections back there. Um, so I, I think when you're talking about definite regional recruiter, I think Bowen's the guy to go to. Um, Sean Spencer will, will be in Baltimore. So, I mean, they're, they're going to hit that area hard with a lot of guys. But, you know, when you're ta- talking about reassigning the area, Bowen's the guy. Okay. Um, yes, he is. That's all I have to contribute there. Appreciate that. <laughs> we, Dynamite drop in. Yes. Very well done by me. Uh, we started talking about Lamont Wade changing positions, what that means, what it's going to look like. Any other position changes or maybe experiments you see so far this spring? I'm going to lead out with this one. Middle linebackers open. Like they, open. Yeah. Brent Pry told us at the end of December, listen, we are going to give everyone a try there. So all the linebackers they have on roster who have even just the smallest of chances to see the field, if they can play some middle linebacker, they're going to be on the 2D. Now I know why you've been training so are. Yeah. Yeah. It's pro day. You got your shot in the spring. I've primarily been working on bench as opposed to anything else. Yeah. You've got Parsons. You've got Ellis Brooks in there. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys. Well, those are even just Johnson. Yeah. The inside linebackers, but the Cole farmer's going to get a chance. They said they're going to throw Cam Brown in there. I don't think that experiment's going to last very long, which is, you know, no fault to Cam Brown's. He's just six, five and has difficulty putting on weight Yeah, and he's good in space. So why would you want to put him in the middle? Right. But, uh, you know, Cole farmer, another one that you would be like, what are we doing? But that's the situation that they're so that's going to be the grand experiment of the spring. In terms of position changes, otherwise, I think if it was anything, it would be you start to realize, you know, corner you could see coming from a mile away. This is just going to be an area uh, of, of great riches. And safety, of course, is really poor. So why not just move some of our resources and balance that out? When I look at the roster now, maybe defensive tackle, but then who do you pull from there? Damian Barber, another position change that he drops from defensive end to D tackle. But again, like Tarburton could have been, you know, nature just taking over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll start on Barber. Um, that's a move they made in, in the winter. I think it was coming. I mean, James Franklin said in the Fiesta Bowl, one of the Fiesta Bowl media days, he was up to 270, still right around 270. It's just one of those things where nature takes its course. And this is a guy that came in 245, 250. And once he learned how to eat properly, you know, he came out of Harrisburg, not the most structure, eat properly, lift weights, all that kind of stuff. The weight just kind of came on. So excited to see Damian Barber. He still, still has some weight to do. Um, does he make one of those Kevin Givens leaps? I, I don't think he's there yet, but he's he's twitchy. He's he's got a ton of athleticism as a defensive end, and uh, yeah, I think he'll be uh, I think he'll be a productive three technique down the line. I don't think he's there yet, but it, it should be fun to watch him. Question number four. Has the men's hockey program taken a step back this year? Uh, I actually covered a game of theirs, uh, not last Friday, I think the Friday before. I played Notre Dame, got up early, fell late, 5-3 finish. And it's interesting because I actually went to college with someone who's now on a Division I staff who has some familiarity with Penn State. And I started to ask them about the team before I went to cover the game, get more background that I could just find, of course, statistically or talking with other people. His point largely was that, you know, of course, they're going to take a little bit of a step back. You're a couple goals away from the Frozen Four as a very young program, but they're not wholly committed to defense. And partly that's a style I know they've embraced because it'll help maximize recruiting as a younger program. Come here, play an exciting brand of hockey. We're going to score a lot of 
goals. But I think that only carries you to a point, right? Like you need to hunker down. And I think you saw that with Notre Dame, which of course, you know, it's a top two program. They're doing a lot of things well. But that's what drove their comeback. Not so much the five goals they were able to score, but the fact that they locked down defensively and were able to hang around. For Penn State, you know, again, they generate so many shots, but it costs them at the other end. And I think they've taken a step back and, and you've seen that style hurt them um, against, you know, some more more quality teams. I'll take your word for it. That was right. awesome. I like, I like your hockey insight. Number five. I like it too. Uh, it's not really my insight, but I borrow it and I apply an anonymous source to it's it. That's the best and, way to uh, do it. Yeah. Here we go. So, uh, breakout defensive candidate. This question I, I changed because it was originally name one for defensive back and linebacker and defensive lineman. We both agreed on the same defensive lineman, Ito Grosmatos. And agreed on our linebacker, n- no one. No. Uh, and defensive back, no one. <laughs> so, you know, there are possibilities there, sure. Whoever takes over the middle for linebacker. Backer and then the safety, maybe Lamont Wade, big splash. Jonathan I like Castro Fields as well. Yeah, Tariq Castro Fields. He makes some moves, but yeah. right, but it's it's difficult to pick. So I think now the the player to watch, Sharif Miller is going to play defensive end at one spot. Ryan Buckholtz, they're going to get pushed by Gross Matos though, because yeah. again, he he was a surprise to some degree stepping in last year, but he was just so physically developed, gives them a little bit of pass rush, and now with another full year under his belt, I mean, I'd be surprised if he wasn't the third defensive end, and maybe you have some talk as that quote fifth starter that Sean Spencer used to describe Kevin Givens um, last year. And there was someone else the year before, too, I remember. Yeah, I mean, he plays a lot of guys. So, I, it, yeah. yeah. I like I like Grossman. I, I just I love the defensive end room. I mean, we we talk about Miller and Buckholtz all the time, and I think they're the starters. And you can you have so much flexibility with Buckholtz that you can move him down and, and and pass rush from a three tech spot. Where you know you can bring in um, Tony as a situational pass rusher, but I also like Shane Simmons. Shane Simmons started to come on at the end of the year last year, so I think if you're picking a breakout, just pick out one of those young defensive ends. I mean, we're we're not even talking about Daniel Joseph, who's you know right. a very physically talented guy, just hasn't gotten to the field so far because of what's in front of him so i think this and he year he's hurt a little bit yeah too. He, he's been hurt since he got here but i i think that this year I, we're not going to see as much in terms of not getting home you know which really hurt penn state in those two losses last year obviously so um you know good at that spot um beyond that yeah you mentioned linebacker i mean you just don't know which way it's going to go you'd like for it to be micah parsons you'd like for it to be you know one of those veterans to step step in there and be the guy that you know takes the responsibility off of his shoulders but uh I, and i was talking to somebody earlier today and and they're you know they they may count on Micah Parsons as a middle linebacker on first and second down third down bring him off the edge let him pin his ears back and let him go I think that's the most intriguing thing he's a natural pass rusher he's athletic enough to do that and I think that you know he was rated as a defensive end for 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 you know that's one of the many reasons he was so um, you know really intriguing to see if he can do that where you know do you get a more solid stable base from Ellis Brooks or Jan Johnson or one of those guys so uh, it's so hard to pick a breakout especially linebacker you, you just don't know what you're going to get right all right last question bold prediction for a, a starting job one either here in the spring or in camp it's a little bit tricky because i think you look at tight end there, there's no bold prediction unless it's someone not in the roster maybe it goes to a freshman i, I don't see that happening quite yet offensive line largely is going to return intact miles sanders is going to be the running back brennan pole kj hamler some slot receiver will take over for Deshaun hamilton defensively we've talked about that the only spot that i go would be a real surprise is if you had maybe a red shirt you know freshman and Jonathan Sutherland outright starting from week one never losing that job at safety but the one I feel better about 
is what you just talked about. Micah Parsons does not start from week one and keep it the whole rest of the season. I think they'd like to have a rotation. And frankly, you can afford to do that with a softer non-conference schedule, beginning with Appalachian State and then wrapping up with Kent State. Yeah, I think they're going to try and what they did two years ago, cultivate that depth by playing a lot of guys. You know, that was not always by their choice, but um, they had an opportunity to, to play several guys and, and were better off for it in the, in the long run. So I, I agree with you. Uh, middle linebacker is just going to be a toss-up. Um, you know, on the offensive line, I'm really interested to see, you know, where they slot those pieces because they've got five starters coming back. But, you know, you know you've got four four guys that are sort of slotted in there. Where does Michael Mennett fit in? Where does Mike Miranda fit in? Uh, where does C.J. Thorpe fit in if he's going to take a step as a redshirt freshman? And, uh, you know, Will Fry's on the left or the right. So I think that's probably the most fascinating thing. I don't think it's it, it, the outcome is going to be overly surprising to anyone, but uh, it's going to be fascinating. This is for our uh, older listeners, the OGs out there. Mike Miranda reference. That's been a first time in a while. Is your bold prediction that Mike Miranda is the, the fifth uh, he's, starter in there? In 2020, yes. I think he's the <laughs> he's the guy. That's my bold 2020 prediction. Yeah, yeah. it's tough to have a you know, bold spot. You can only go so bold in February with so much. I mean, that's what your we're Your bold spot's coming in nicely. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we, you just uh, open yourself up for that. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to have plenty of time in, in March and April to you know get into that and see you know what's developing and then take it a step further and try to get your attention in June with more bold predictions for what's coming along. So for now... All I'm, the bold predictions. Yeah, this is this is kind of what we got. But this is fun. Extra large mailbag. I don't know if I'd do it again anytime soon, but I think I would uh, you know, order this course uh, you know, maybe in a few weeks or months. But we'll still ask for questions, I think. That's oh, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about just the, the size of the mailbag was a little bit much. Um, maybe just give them that and then they'll return in favor with, with, with good questions. You know we got in return from today, though, were some excellent outtakes. Like, <laughs> the folks at home are listening. We're about to wrap up we started really rough like this was just the, the rockiest of roads we've had for a while and you kept on delivering to the point where we had to cut it in you, the middle and save it for later so you've, you've knocked me completely off my game with the outtakes so uh that'll be fun to go back and listen and bleep and do whatever we have to do to make those uh cleared by the fcc yeah outtakes episode is coming it'll be may or june probably when one of us is on vacation <laughs> and uh it's gonna be outstanding we were off to a very good start and i can only thank you for that so keep up the terrible work. <laughs> keep up rating us on iTunes. Uh, I got a bunch of them last week, so thank you for that. And any uh, criticism is great. Just make sure you put five stars with it. Um, but uh, no, th- thanks for listening. Uh, Lions 24-7 podcast, Andrew Callahan, Sean Fitz, and we will see you next time we see you. Yeah, I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, we're sure to have some more outtakes and more fun then. Great. We'll see you. See you. All right, here we go, third take. Real quick, Ali.